You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 57. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant helping women in business develop the foundational framework they need to grow sustainable and profitable businesses through clarity, strategy, and community. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you are ready for a very jam-packed informative episode because we're going to be covering a very, very important topic that so many business owners, including myself, have been so confused about over the years. That topic I'm talking about is business structure. I mean, let's be honest, people. Are you a sole trader, partnership, trust, company? Do you even know what all of those mean? Do you know when you should go from sole trader to company? Or should you start as a company and go back to sole trader? Or do you start a trust and go to partnership? Like, dude, this shit is confusing. But don't worry, because in this episode, I'll be bringing on my accountant and friend, Roger, from Haley Accounting, to chat with us about all things business structure related and give you some clarity and great insight as to whether or not you should be a sole trader, partnership, trust, company and what you can do to make these changes if necessary. But before we get into this episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my four-day, three-night exclusive Women in Business Retreat, where we focus on women having the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow. It's being held from October 24th through to October 27th at the Gold Coast here in Queensland, Australia, and it's an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold. From having eight of Australia's top female entrepreneurs speaking to surrounding yourself with amazing people that will lift you up both at conference and after conference, to daily masterminds, to get individual help on your businesses from both your peers and the speakers, to amazing food, and yes, as if you are a mom and you would be coming, to being able to sleep in and eat hot meals uninterrupted. You're not wanting to to miss this amazing event. To learn more about this retreat and to purchase your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on retreat. All right, let's jump into this super informative podcast episode. Welcome to the show, Roger. Thank you for having me. Gosh, no, thank you so much for being here. I know, again, you also live in Brisbane, so we've got beautiful weather today, which is always lovely. Um, And listen, you and I, we've only just become friends just recently through a mutual friend of ours, um, Eric Anderson, who is kind of the guru of export grants. So that's um, right. And it's funny, again, the importance of connections, and I kind of hone on with this, and listeners could be getting a little bit upset about me, but I do go on the importance of you know relationships and building those connections, because it was through Eric that I met you, and in a time where you know uh, there's some big changes coming for my business, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast, but uh, yeah. if I wouldn't have met Eric, who knows where I would have ended up. So uh, the power of building those relationships and networks is super imperative. Absolutely. Now, for today... If we kind of go back, today to me is a really important episode because there's so much damn confusion about what business structure businesses should do. And this questions, you know, that I get hit up with questions and I don't know the answers, you know, and I think that's also important that for those businesses are out there that, you know, you really need to go to the expertise and the gurus when it comes to things like this. And that's what your expertise is. But to me, I just want to have an open discussion and talk about, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of different business structures and how that looks for 
business owners. But before we jump into all things business structure, I would love to ask you one question because I always mm-hmm. ask one question to each of my podcast guests so we get to know yes. a little bit more about the guest versus just their business. So yes. my question to you is, what is your all-time favorite restaurant in the world and why? <laughs> okay. It would have to be... Uh, you've, you've got me on the spot there. <laughs> my, my all-time restaurant favorite and why? Well, my favorite food is Japanese food. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be a Japanese restaurant. I'd have to say it's called Hosokawa. Okay. And it's on Racecourse Road in, in, in Ascot here in Brisbane. Okay. Yeah, and the reason why I like it is because it's uh, it's authentic Japanese. There's a lot of Japanese restaurants which are rip-off restaurants. And, <laughs> yes. And it's not different to what you have in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, but that, that restaurant is, is exactly what you would get if you went to a restaurant in Japan. So it's very fresh and uh, and, and very good. All right, so it's located here in our hometown of Brisbane, which is awesome, and so again, over in Ascot. So yes, well, thank you for sharing. I always like the business is out there that are listening to get to know you know the guests that I have on because I think it's fun to do that. Now tell, for those of you that are listening, you may not know a little bit about you, Roger. So can you tell us a little bit about you and the business that you're currently running? Okay, yeah, so, so my name is Roger Hawley and I'm running an accounting practice on the northern suburbs here in Brisbane, Queensland. Um, I've been in business for about 10 years. And prior to that, I did about 10 years working for big accounting firms, uh, KPMG and PwC, etc. here in Australia, and then also in, in Tokyo, Japan. Fun. And then I got a bit uh, disgruntled, I guess, with the big corporate world. So I, I went out on my own. And now I've been providing small business uh, taxation and accounting advice to uh, small businesses here in Brisbane for about 10 years. I'm actually uh, having a 10-year celebration on the uh, 26th of June. Very exciting. How fun is that? 10 years in business. That's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, so I'll be sending out invitations to that to that soon. So I'm very passionate about, about small business. So I, I encourage everyone to, to quit their quit their job, you know, fire their boss and, and go out alone. Yeah. <laughs> People often say to me, um, they try and tell you that there's a lot of security in having a job, but I've made a career on advising people on uh, letting people go, you know, making people redundant. So um, it, it's kind of, I, I don't think it's it's that that much security in having a job because, you know, I've got a few hundred clients, so, you know, I don't like losing clients at all, but on the odd occasion when I do lose one, it doesn't really affect my source of income. But if you're holding down a job, that's your only source of income. So if you happen to lose it, well, then that, that that's incredibly risky in my mind. So how how someone how people can uh, say that that's job you know secure and when there's only one source of income is beyond me. But anyway, um, you know, throughout <laughs> this podcast, um, hopefully people will start to feel my my passion about small business and 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 how I really want to assist everyone to. To, to do to follow their passion and, and do what they want to do in small business because it, it it really is uh, enlightening and and it feels it feels really good and to actually do something and achieve something and build something from scratch which you know is your own and and you can offer it out to the world I think I guess I guess that's what I do um yes I'm an accountant technically but I, I like to say I'm, I'm more a uh, a passionate business owner. 
And I guess that's why um, when Eric had recommended that I contact you, because as we know, there's been a few business changes with me. I, I was a sole trader for many mm. years with my first business, Finley and Me, and was still sole trading Do you mean with uh, under the Angela Henderson Consulting stuff. And I was like, okay, this shit's starting to get messy. We're going to have to do something about it. Mm. I knew that I needed to go to a company, but I was like, really, what are the benefits about a company? What are, like, why do I need to do this? What Do I just stay with sole trader? And as we'll talk about, I mean, listen, it's been a huge learning curve. And that's what I hope if anyone gets anything out of this, whether or not you're starting a business and wondering what type of business structure you should do, or even if you've been in business for almost 10 years, like myself, um, there are certain things that, again, you really should pay attention to. And this episode is going to talk about that because I probably would have done things very differently uh, with my first business if I would have been educated around the different business structures, specifically here in Australia, which are the sole trader the partner um, partnership, trust, and the company. And it was, yeah, so unfortunately now I'm kind of in a little bit of a messy, not a messy situation, we're getting there, but just because you've got to tie up all the loose ends with the sole trader, you've got to open up new things with the company, you've got to, you know, that part of it does take time. So if anyone out there is listening um, and wondering what they should be doing, hopefully between Roger and I, we'll be able to give you some insight about what to do, what not to do, the advantages and the disadvantages. And to make your business and your life a little bit uh, easier and simplistic along this journey. So for us, Roger, I guess the first question that I want my listeners to kind of know is what are the, we've talked briefly about it, but I'd like to hear it from you is what are the four common types of business structures here in Australia? Yeah, okay. That, that's, a, that's a really good question. And, and, and probably the most four common types of business structures for small business here in Australia, there are business structures which are applicable to much, much larger corporations, which aren't relevant to us. But for small businesses, the, the, the most four common types are sole trader, uh, which almost everybody starts out as. Mm-hmm. And then there's a partnership, which is is probably not, that's the least common of the four. And, that, and less and less people are forming partnerships these days for reasons I'll explain in a moment. Uh, the third one is a company. So the, you've probably heard the expression PTYLTD. Mm-hmm. And, and the last one is a, is a trust. There's, there's quite a few types of trust, but the main ones that people run businesses through are discretionary trusts or, or uh, colloquially known as family trusts. Okay. And you mentioned just a minute ago, most people will start out, though, as a sole trader. So can you give us a definition of sole trader and then yes. kind of hit us with some advantages and disadvantages of this particular business structure? Absolutely. So a sole trader is is an individual. So they, like, for example, I'm Roger Hawley. I started as a sole trader. So my first ABN was as Roger Hawley. And um, any income and expenses that I derived uh, through that business as a sole trader, they were included in my own personal income tax return. Like if you, quite often I have people come and they, they, have, they hold down a job and then they have a side business as a sole trader. So all of their job income and their sole trader income gets grouped together into the same return. Um, the advantages of that, administratively, it's really easy. It's, it's uh, free to set up. You have your own ABN and you're literally a sole trader in about five minutes. It doesn't okay. take very long at all. So that, that's the biggest advantage. Like it's easy to set up and it's free. But that's where about, <laughs> I think that's where the disadvantage is. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, the, the disadvantages of being a sole trader, in my opinion, uh, far outweigh uh, the advantages, especially if you're passionate and your ambition is to make something which is quite big. Okay. So the, 
there's quite a few disadvantages. So I'll just start with the first one, and that is tax. Like as a sole trader, uh, there's no flexibility for um, don't you know, versifying the tax. Like it has the, what is derived in the sole trader's name has to be taxed in the name of the sole trader. Okay, uh, you can't income split easily. So that's that's the first one. The first disadvantage of being a sole trader. The second one is there's absolutely no asset protection whatsoever. Uh, so if you run a business through as a sole trader and one of your clients decide to sue you and they sue you successfully, then they can go after your personal assets as well. So there's, there's no protection whatsoever for your personal assets. And thirdly, and this one often gets overlooked, but it's a big one for me, is perception. Right, and go, what, as in what way? How your customs will view you. Okay. Like if, when, when I go into... When I go into business with someone and before I sign on the dotted line, I always do a search on their ABN and I go to abr.gov.au, put the ABN in, and if that returns me the results of a sole trader not registered for GST, what do you think I know about them straight away? Right, that they potentially aren't making as much money as maybe they led you to believe. Yeah. Uh, Again... Exactly, they're small. I know straight away they're earning less than seventy-five thousand because they're not registered for GST. Yep. And what about those sole traders? So, for example, I mean, obviously that would come out. So, I was registered for GST right from the beginning, like day one with Finley and me, because I yes. was invo- informed that if you register for GST earlier on, just from a, uh, a, I guess, a mindset shift, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. is that you will play a little bit bigger, but also like you kind of just, it, you know, no different. So you're already paying GST from the beginning. Um, and that's just, that's, I mean, that's all I know. So they're not all sole traders, though, are registered for GST, though. You that's would... right. And see, I think you were very smart in investing, in registering for GST right from the outset because of the mindset change and adaption that you mentioned. Um, but there are some times when I do advise my clients to stay as a sole trader and not register for GST if, in their opinion, they want to have a hobby slash business, like it's just a business, like they have no intention of making it big. Yeah. In that case, then I'd say stay as a sole trader because they don't need the added expense of being a company or a trust or, or the added administration of, of doing GST. Um, examples of that are often um, PTs at the gym. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, those guys, they very rarely earn more than 75000 and if they register for GST, it just makes their service 10% more expensive for their clients. That's fair enough. Yeah. And so for the for those of you though that are out there as a sole trader, and I guess we can move into that kind of next structure around the company side, because that's kind of where I've just come from. Um, yes. Obviously, yeah. Tell me, tell the, the listeners out there a little bit more about why would they potentially either move from sole trader to company to start with or automatically start as a company first? Yeah, okay. So essentially the advantages and disadvantage of a sole trader are in the reverse of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, a company costs money to set up. Uh, typically it costs at least $1,000 to your accountant. Uh, gen- on average, it's about $1,500 to set up a PTY or TD. And then there's an ongoing fee of that you've got to pay to ASIC, which is currently $263 a year just to, just to maintain your registration. So there's more expense straight off the bat. Then a company acts as its own entity. 
So it has its own ABN, its own tax file number, and it has to lodge its own tax return. So automatically, once you have a company, you go from one tax return a year, which was your own, to now doing two tax returns a year, which is you've still got to do your own, but then you've also got to do the company. which And it also needs to maintain financial statements as well, the profit and loss and the balance sheet. So there's administratively, uh, there's more things to do in having a company. And if somebody has no intention of becoming large in their business, well, then they don't need to take on that added administration. But I... I'm passionate about business and and the people that I work with. I want them all to be as large as they possibly can be. So therefore, the comp- a company is the best structure for most people. Um, the advantages of a company is that you have the ability. Well, first I'll talk about the taxation advantages. You have the ability to retain earnings. So what I mean by that is, a company might make some profit. But under the sole trader structure, all of that profit has to be taxed in the hands of the sole trader. But under the company structure, you can choose how much gets taxed in the individual's hands and how much gets taxed in the company's hands, which gives you a little bit of flexibility comes tax time because the company tax rate is fixed at 27.5% for a small business where the the individual rates are 32.5% uh, for the bracket, more than 37,000. So you can see there there's a tax difference. Massive difference, really. Yeah. So you really want to keep as much in the company for as long as you can. Um, so that so, so the flexibility there. Then it's easier when when you employ people and et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it's just a lot cleaner to have it separate in the company. So th- you've got those those tax advantages there. Then secondly, it can serve as a barrier to help protect your assets when you're when you're running your business. Like it's not foolproof. It doesn't mean you can go out and, and act willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still director responsibilities that need to be considered. But it acts as a barrier between your business and your personal assets. So when you trade through a company, you set up your engagement letters and your agreements. Uh, with your clients and your suppliers, with the company. So it's not with you personally, it's with the company. So that's a massive advantage there over a sole trader because it acts as a barrier to protect you from your personal assets. Yes. And then the third one is perception. And so the exact opposite of a sole trader. Like if I go if I go ahead and do my ABR search on their ABN, and it comes back as a PTOLTD that's been established for you know five or six years or however long the period may be. I can feel a little bit more confident that I'm dealing with someone that is is serious about business and they're in for the long haul. Yeah, so just naturally their credibility and that authority, do you know what I mean, is a little bit more sound, a little bit more solid because of that. Absolutely. Yep. And so, and you mentioned though, for those that are out there, such as myself, obviously, when I was like, okay, great, I need to roll to a company. Now, I've seen businesses who try and set this up themselves because they're trying to save a little bit of money. But seriously, for to people need to remember out there that like, 
accounting is not your zone of genius and you don't want to set up if you are going to go into a company and you, there is, there's a lot that you've got to consider. So it's like, seriously, my advice to you, and, and I'm saying this to someone who's just been through it is just like pay that. If you're already going to do a company and you're going to have to start paying to be a company anyways, mm. like again, just pay for that expertise and have someone like Roger, do you know what I mean? Set everything up because it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier. You are guaranteed that the paperwork's going to be, you know, done correctly. Yes. Um, and they, yeah, so, just if you are considering it and we'll talk later about how you could uh, work with Roger later on, but yeah, it's just important that if you're going, Oh yeah, people can do it. Yeah. Anyone can pretty much do anything on their own. Like with my trademark, for example, I could have put in my applications for my trademark also. And we will be bringing my friend, uh, Lisa Wynn, who's the lawyer who did mine for me on there, but it's like, there's different classes and there's all these things. Just let the experts do what they do well. And you just mm -hmm. focus on running your business because it will naturally help you with your growth, uh, later on if you just have everything set up correctly. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good point because it, it's much easier for me and much more cost effective for my clients if I set things up from scratch. Uh, the amount of times I've had something come to me that's been set up incorrectly and then have to fix it is actually more expensive and more time consuming on, uh, for the client than if I did it from scratch. So I think that's really good advice, what you're giving your listeners. And not to mention the emotional headspace. Like then you've got to carry it and go, okay, we still got to fix this. We've got to fix this. I mean, that's what I'm feeling right now with the whole transition, right? Is we've got to, mm -hmm. we know there's some things that happened with my old accountant that we've now got to switch. And I'm just like, ah, I just can't wait till that my headspace is clear and free mm -hmm. from having to hold on to that. Because it does, even though it's not massive, it's still taking up you know, that energy in that space when it's not necessary, if I just yeah. would have done it right the first time, do you know what I mean? Hence why, you know, we are where yeah. we're at, but yeah. yeah. That's, a, that, that's really good. That's a really good point. Cause what, what I, what I promote to my clients is, um, let the accountants and the lawyers and the, the people do the back end administrative work and free yourself up just to focus on, on selling your business and improving your own business, like spending time on what you're best at within the business. Yep, 100%. So we've covered the sole trader. We've covered the company. Talk to us a little bit. What do you want to do? Do you want to talk to us first about the trust or the partnership side of things? I'll just briefly touch on partnership. Um, there's pretty well no advantages of a partnership anymore. Like it's just too risky. Okay. So I really don't know anyone that that advises uh, the partnership structure anymore. I've seen a couple of structures where you might have two partnership, a partnership where both partners are companies. Um, that happens, but a partnership of two individuals, it's just too risky now. So I don't advise anyone to do that. Right. If, if you're wanting to go into business with someone who's not a family member, uh, then your best just to jump into a company straight off the bat because it, it's too risky to, to start it off with two individuals in partnership. All right, yep. So there's really not a lot of advantages. There's more disadvantages in regards to the partnership. So the really the three main ones that you're focusing on is sole trader, company, or which we're about to talk about, the trust. The family trust, yeah, that, yep. that's right, yeah. Because the, just the, advantage, the disadvantages of a partnership so far outweigh the advantages that, that I don't know any professionals that advise partnerships. That would advise them. In, so then, uh, climate. And so, what is it about a trust? What are the advantages and disadvantages of a business structure from the family trust perspective? Okay, so the advantages of a trust is it's much cheaper to set up than a company. Uh, it costs you around three to four hundred dollars just to set up a trust, and uh, any I can do that for people. Any lawyer can do that. It's 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 very cheap 
to set up. And then you don't have the ongoing ASIC fees that you'd have with the company. And you're also outside of the director's responsibilities as well. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to follow the, the corporation's law. So administratively, it's a lot easier to, to run through a trust. Um, then secondly, you also have some of the, the advantages of uh, tax, like distributing the income to family members so that can help minimise your tax. So there, there is um, advantages there. But the biggest disadvantage from a trust compared to a company is a trust is unable to retain earnings. So what that means is you can't leave the money in the trust to be taxed. Or you can, but it gets taxed at 48.5%, which is pointless. So all of the profit that you've derived in that financial year in the trust has to be distributed out. So when when you're starting out and you might only have 100000 of profit and there's mum and dad running the business, then it's not a problem because you just have 50000 each. And yeah. in individuals' hands, that's not too bad. But if you start making 400000 in your trust and you have to distribute that to mum and dad, then that's 200000 each. And then it becomes a problem because you're getting taxed in the highest marginal tax brackets. So yeah, well, you're almost like losing half of it. That's right. Yeah, but if you were in a company structure, you could pay mum and dad you know, $87,000 each and the balance gets taxed in the company at 27.5%, which is a much more tax-effective way of doing it. So that's, that's the biggest disadvantage between a company and a trust. But a trust has a lot of tax benefits that a company doesn't have when you're buying, pass, buying and holding passive assets, like, for example, property or shares. Um, at the moment, if you hold an asset, property or shares, in your trust for longer than 12 months, you actually get a 50% discount in tax when you sell it later down the track, which you oh, don't wow. get in a company. So that's a massive advantage uh, from, for holding passive assets in a trust. Um, so, yeah, to summarise, I think this is a good way to summarise when to go through a company and when to go through a trust. If you're running an active business, uh, similar to what you and I are doing, Ange, yep. then you would definitely go through a company because both both of us have the intention to make our, our businesses as big as what they can be, so the corporate structure is the way to go. However, if your passion is, is buying property or, or buying and holding shares, uh, then a trust would be the way to go because then you can take advantage of the uh, the 12-month holding CGT discount. Yep. Yeah. So, so to summarise, if you're running a business, do it through a company. If you're buying passive assets, then buy them through a trust. And if you said earlier, if you just want to kind of maintain a hobby and don't ever really want to build the empire, mm. keep it as a sole trader. Is that right? Keep it as a sole trader or... Or, or even a trust in that circumstance, trust or sole trader, because then you don't have those ongoing administrative fees and you're also not bound by corporations, law and directors' responsibilities. Okay, yep, no, that makes sense. So for those businesses out there that potentially are sitting in the sole trader world, like I have been, and they mm. know, like I said, 
uh, like I said, changing business structures, something again that I've just gone through. It's a bit of a pain, but I know it's worth it in the long run, right? Once we get through this first pass, do you know what I mean? I will yeah. feel a brick lift off my shoulder. But right. what's your advice for those people out there that are kind of maybe in a similar situation with me? They've been in business for a couple of years. Businesses like, you know, they're having exponential growth. They know mm-hmm. that their liability is potentially on their own personal assets if they remain as a sole trader. Yes. What is your advice for those that are wanting to say change? Um, as a sole trader to a company or even potentially looking at a trust or whatever that might be for them, where would you suggest people start? Okay, so firstly, I would ask them to answer that question. Are they going to stay small or are they wanting to make this as big as they can? And as soon as they say yes to that question, well, then they move. They need to move to the corporate structure or the trust structure as, as, as soon as possible. Um, so there are no provided the owners of the provided the sole trader or the partnership becomes the shareholders in the company. There's no tax consequences. There's no CGT event of transferring over into a company. There used to be, but they they took that away. Okay. So so you can move over tax free. So structurally, it's actually really easy. Uh, you just need to update your invoices with a new ABN. When you set up the company, you apply for a tax file number, you have to register for GST. So you have to do all that stuff as though you're starting business again. Then where it becomes a bit of an administrative nightmare is if you've got a lot of direct debits as a sole trader, uh, you have to change them over to your company bank account. Uh, So administratively, there's a few things that need to be done. But once they're all done, then it's, it's plain sailing. It's it's exactly the same as how it would have been when you're a sole trader, but you have the the added advantages of, of trading as a company. Yep. No. Well, again, if I would have known this information nine years ago, my life would have been an enormous, <laughs> it would have been so much different. And that's the, I guess, the importance of not only we were talking about this yesterday, because, you know, I'll be entering into profit first and doing mm. a few things with that. That's a whole nother episode. But Again, making yourself financial, like having financial literacy around your business is super important. And though I think we would aim for all businesses, you know, I guess my aim is to make sure women in business specifically, because we already, again, statistically speaking, so for the men out there who might be rolling your eyes saying that I'm loving on women more than men, no, but as a... um, mentor for the Queensland government, we know that women in business fail at a much higher rate than males do. All right. And I guess one of my things is about making sure that women in business particular and all businesses do have a a fair understanding about, you know, their financial literacy and what that looks like. And I guess part of that financial literacy is making sure that you are looking at the business structure that you need in order to be the most successful, most sustainable and most profitable businesses that you want to have. It's interesting you should say that though. Um, from I guess from my personal perspective, I, I have an equal mix of uh, male and female clients, and yep. my female clients, I would say, are more successful than the males because they are more open to learning. They yep. they spend a lot of money and resources on learning, and they appear. I think generally they're much better at, at marketing as well. At, yep. at, at selling their product, because um, I'll give a, I'll give three good examples of of, um, of female clients of mine that have been really successful. So, it, this one was a, she, she found me on through my website, and she said, okay, I train, uh, I train people to get their forklift license. So, 
I wasn't quite sure what to do and um, how to dress when I went. And I, was, I was expecting someone a little bit gruff <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Yep. Um, so I sort of dressed down for the meeting. And then when I went out, out to meet her the very first time, she was she was dressed in all the latest brand gear and was was very prim and proper and it was wow I, I was actually quite embarrassed at our first meeting but so she she was a woman that was able to work in an environment and build a business in an environment that is is male dominated and uh, yeah I worked with her from almost the beginning right to the exit time when she she was able to sell that business at at a uh, substantial profit and and now. Um, move into things that, that she likes to do. Um, another business I'd like to talk about is, is uh, it's called Spray Free Pharmacy, the second one I'm going to talk about. The, she's a, another female in business and she, she had a, come up with the concept of, well, she loves organic food and she wants it to be accessible to everybody. As you know, it's more expensive than conventional food. Yes, absolutely. So, so she goes and buys it. In, yeah, she goes and buys it in bulk. Then she packs it into boxes and distributes that all around Brisbane. And um, yeah, her business. I've been working with her since the beginning. We've been together about three years now, and she's turning over about one point three, one point five million now in three years. That's fantastic. Yeah. So she, she's an amazing businesswoman. I actually had. Um, I, her name's Christian Ottaway. I, I had her come along and she spoke at my meetup uh, in January earlier this year and she she was fantastic. And then um, the third the third woman in business that I deal a lot with is um, she's a hairdresser actually. She works in, uh, she's on Caloundra and she's also opened her second store in North Lake. She's from Canada. Lovely. Go Canada. Yeah. <laughs> her name's Rebecca Anderson and she's she's absolutely fantastic. Like we've, we've been working together since scratch and she's had her ups and downs but she sticks to a model of customer service like supplying superior customer service which in Australia can be lacking from time to time (laughs) and so she just she instills in her staff and makes sure that whenever when everyone goes there for to get their hair done it is not only do they walk out with fantastic hair, but it's also a fantastic experience at the same time. So she's looking to continually opening stores. So at the moment she's got two stores and now we're working on opening the third store. Like she is a, an amazing operator. And I guess the common trend between all three is, is their ability to, to listen and, and learn, uh, which, which I don't think males are – I know I'm being general – yeah, and I think maybe if I would clarify that the statistics that we were talking about with the um, Queensland government, for example, is more that startup phase, right? So women are more likely to fail within that first year and first five years of business yeah. than post. And so I guess if I looked at myself, and maybe again you could say those other three women that you've used as examples, mm. is they've do you know what I mean they've come a long way? Do you know mm. what I mean? from that, which again, there are a few um, of my friends who are entrepreneurs, Ronsley from We Are Podcast and Amplify. He's currently looking at um, looking at people's like minds just collectively, yeah. right? To see yeah. what does it actually take to make a true entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. One who's got like that action taking mindset, even though we all will get wobbles, like what does that look like? So I'm really fascinated to see what his podcast will come out with. Mm-hmm. I think that there is 
something male or female, do you know what I mean? Just from, doesn't matter about that, but in us, do you know what I mean? That there's something ingrained in us um, mm. with being, you know, that drive to being successful that, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, it is, it's fascinating to see. Yeah, now, it, it is. It, it is fascinating. Like um, the, I, I guess the difference, I've, I've actually got a lot more other, other uh, women that I, I act for as well that have been equally as successful, but I think, Probably the the difference between my female clients and my male clients is my female clients ask so many more questions. Yes. <laughs> you they they want to know everything. Yeah. Where where my male clients tend to assume, maybe it's out of pride, maybe they don't want to admit they don't know. I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, my female clients are very active in asking questions. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, listen, you've had 952 emails from me in the very short amount of time we've uh, been working together. So I, would, I can confirm that I'm one of those statistics, <laughs> so speaking. No, I think bring it on. Like, I, I love it. Like, it, for me, working as an accountant, uh, the, the hardest part for me is when I don't, I don't hear from you. Yeah. You're like, hello, we're going to need to communicate here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, tell me what's going on. Like, if, if you don't tell me anything, I can't help you in your business. 100%. And that's what, again, there's different accountants for different people, but I guess you, that's what I like. And that's why I chose to work with you is that you're super proactive in that space mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, you're always looking at that, that next level of growth and where to from here. And, and speaking of, for those people who are listening to the podcast and would like to explore whether or not moving to sole trader company, starting a business and what they need to look at at trust partnership, how can they find you um, if they yeah, are looking for an accountant that again, generally knows what they're doing? Okay. Yeah. So I'm very contactable on my mobile phone, which is 0409-008-453. I also have a web address, which is www.hawley-accounting.com.au. And my email address is roger at hawley-accounting.com.au. And also on Facebook, if you just do a Google search for Hawley Accounting. So it's H-A-W-L-E-Y. A, good, a Facebook search for Hawley Accounting and you can find me that way as well. And also if you want to connect with me personally on Facebook as well, just Roger Hawley, uh, just send me a friend request and um, I'll accept. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for clarifying different business structures and the four primary ones for small businesses here in Australia. Rest of you, please remember that my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my very active Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative. So head on over and join us. For the rest of you, have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to having you join me next week for another amazing episode of Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have an awesome day, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.